0: Hi, I'm Dan Framack, and welcome to Axios Recap, brought to you by Comcast. Today is Monday, March 8th, and we're looking back at the same week one year ago, the week that America changed. This is our COVID-19 Decision Maker series, conversations about some of the most consequential decisions made at this time last year. Today, we look at the decision to send employees home with one of the first people to make that call, Facebook COO Sheryl Sandberg. On March 6, 2020, tens of thousands of Facebook employees left the office and didn't come back. By the following Monday, other employers were looking to Facebook as an example of the new remote work landscape, as they pondered what to do with their own people. Today, Sheryl Sandberg tells us the story behind Facebook's decision to close its offices. She'll take you inside hers and Mark Zuckerberg's conversations, share how remote work impacted her own life and family, and unpack how many other decisions had to happen at Facebook nearly simultaneously, such as how to deal with COVID-19 information on its platforms and how to help its small business users. That conversation in 15 seconds. Do you remember who was the first person who said, we should send everybody
1: home? Mark was the first person who said we might send everyone home. That I have a very strong recollection of. We, we had kind of been thinking about it since January. In early January, you know, Mark, because of the work he does with CZI, the Chan Zuckerberg Initiative, they do health work. So he started getting briefings from disease experts. And then in January, Mark told me and others that we should get ready for the possibility that we would all have to work from home. And there might be a pandemic, and I, th- I thought he was nuts. I was like, "What do you mean there'd be a pandemic? What's a pandemic? And would we really work from home?" But he said, "No, no, it's possible that everyone's going to have to like go home." And then at the end of January, WHO declared, you know, a public health emergency, and then on March sixth, we just told Bay Area employees to work from home. It just seemed like. You know, everyone was talking then about flattening the curve. And the idea was that if people would go home and stay home, um, it would flatten the curve. And we knew that we had, well, a workforce that at least we could try it. Now, if you had asked me, would we be able to do all the things we did, I would have said no. But did people physically have to be in the office to do a job the way you have to be at a clinic or the way you have to be in a grocery store? No. And so we thought we had a real responsibility of public health officials, Globally, WHO and our county were saying, we need everyone to stay home. We just felt like we had to jump in, I think we were very early in this. At least the language at the time was that if people stay home, you are doing a public service by protecting other people. I think people felt like we were doing the right thing. I remember the day the schools closed, picking up my daughter and telling her, this is gonna be three weeks. It's gonna be three weeks. My fiance was living in LA with his kids, they were like, okay, if the schools are beginning to close for a few weeks, why don't we come up and stay here? And they, they moved in overnight. And we literally kept saying, you'll be back in school in LA in April to my kids. You'll be back in school. I don't know why I thought it was gonna be three weeks. <laughs> I didn't like pack up my office. You know, I thought we'd be home for a few weeks until the curve got flattened. Looking back on it, I don't know why I would have thought that what could possibly happen in three weeks. We send people home very quickly. (laughs) And then, look, there were some technical challenges. We sent our contractors home as well. Now, all of our Facebook employees have Facebook laptops and were equipped to work anywhere. Our contractors didn't have company-issued laptops, so we had some very basic tech problems of how do we get everyone a computer. We gave everyone uh, $2,000 to just buy stuff they needed. That happened because employees were saying, wait a second, I don't have a monitor for home. I don't have you know, the the things I need to create a home office. And then, you know, in terms of policies, we realized people needed additional COVID leave. I think we realized that weeks later. I have had two children. My fiance, Tom, has three. They range in age from seven at the time, now eight, to 15 at the time, now 16. They are old enough to do Zoom school. And so while of course it was a challenge for us, I think we were pretty lucky. I think people who have much younger kids and you really need to sit down next to them to make sure they do school, it's created a crisis for women in the workforce. I think you know this, but two and a half million women have left their jobs. This is a health crisis. This is an economic crisis, but this is a crisis for women in the workforce. We've been watching very carefully at Facebook. Our attrition rates of women are not higher than our attrition rates of men. But I think that's because it wasn't just that we sent everyone home, it's that we put in place a lot of policies, which we were lucky we were able to do to try to keep people in the workforce. So additional COVID leave, we gave everyone last year 10 additional weeks of COVID leave for you got sick, you have to do more with your kids, you have to do more with an elderly relative, really not a lot of questions asked. We said to everyone, we know this is unprecedented, Do the best you can, but we're not gonna tell you we care about your personal lives, but have the same review we always have. So we canceled our review cycle for the first half of the year. We just canceled it. We paid everyone out at above the normal company bonus. So everyone got their full and a little bit more bonuses. And I think that was really important because I think when you're home, when you're dealing with having to take care of kids, if you hold everyone to the same standards, they're not gonna be able to do what they need to do for their personal lives. We just tried to move quickly as those needs came up. I definitely heard later that people followed some of the examples we set, and I was happy about that. For women out there, I wish more companies did more of it. Now I know we're a very you know, profitable business. We have those margins to do it. Not every business can do it. Small businesses are suffering. But I, I'm glad for the policies we did, and I think other companies can push. We had to work on many aspects of this. Obviously, our own employees, sending them home, sending our contractors home, making sure people were safe, but keep our service up while that was happening. Keep finding the hate and taking it down while that was happening. The second piece was really supporting small businesses. You know, there are 200 million small businesses that use our platform. We did massive grant programs, hundreds of millions of dollars to help them, things that would help small businesses get through, this, get through the crisis. And the third, and obviously the largest, is our responsibility on our platform to get down harmful misinformation on coronavirus, but also help push people to the right information. Working with the WHO and the CDC and other healthcare organizations with the correct health information, when organizations like the UK government wanted to help do shutdowns, they turned to us to help get those messages out to people. You know, we have working relationships with governments all over the world, so... For coronavirus, it was really the WHO and the CDC and and other health ministries, as well as other governments around the world. I think I experienced the same thing everyone experiences, which is it was a real adjustment to being home all the time. I had to figure out how to work from home. We had to figure out how to communicate from home. I think meetings work incredibly well on Zoom and other video products. But I think what you miss is like that informal communication. So one thing I do is with the direct team I work with most closely, I started doing team monthly check-in meetings where we just all get on a Zoom and we go around and everyone shares what's going on in their life. That seems kind of formal. Normally, you walk in and you say, hey, Emma, happy birthday. Or Emma will say, hey, I'm moving this weekend. But you don't have those interactions, so I tried to create them I've definitely tried to, like, do more calling people one-on-one, you know, and also just finding ways. I think I've struggled and a lot of people have struggled with how to find any balance when you're always home. We've definitely had an issue trying to get people to take their personal time off, take PTO, because, you know, normally if you went on vacation, you're on vacation. If the meeting happens, you don't call in now, no matter where you are. You can just dial into anything, so trying to take a day off is really hard and we've really tried to encourage people to do it because people need those breaks.
0: How many people do you think were impacted by the decisions you made that week and in those days?
1: So God, how many people were impacted? Let's see. Uh, we had about 50,000 employees. We had tens of thousands of more contractors. In terms of small businesses, we gave, hundreds of millions of dollars in grants to 30,000 small businesses around the world. And then we did another tranche later for Black small businesses, nonprofits, and creators. That that probably hit thousands more. But probably the biggest numbers on Facebook are the people. We think we reach 2 billion people with the right authoritative information on coronavirus. A lot of people.
0: Think of any of the decisions you made over those couple of weeks. How do you think those changed American life?
1: Look, in these crises, companies have real responsibility. We have a responsibility to protect our employees. We have a responsibility to protect the people using our services and our products. If you had said to me, can people work remotely? We had talked about people working remotely before, and we didn't think it was possible. Now we are moving towards more remote options. I've done my whole life a lot of traveling for work. You know, and that was easier. And then I lost my husband very suddenly. There was a six-month period where I wouldn't go anywhere. But then I eventually had to start traveling again. And as a single mom, and I have so much more help and support than most single moms, being away is still hard. I think I don't know what's going to happen with work travel. I don't know how much more we're all going to do because it turns out Zoom works really well.
0: Cheryl, thank you for joining us.
1: Hey, I'm so glad you guys are working on this. I think this has changed the workforce forever. So thank you.
0: In 15 seconds, we'll be back to revisit another moment from this exact date last March, which hinted at our political future. Welcome back. As we reflect on how one week in March changed the fabric of our society, we wanted to revisit something else that happened a year ago today. Whoa, I cannot believe how many people are here. Thanks all for coming out. That was Bernie Sanders, making what was, in many ways, his final play for the Democratic Party's presidential nomination. It was a Sunday night in Michigan, with AOC at Bernie's side.
1: We want to start off today, of course, recognizing International Women's Day.
0: Ahead of a set of six primaries on that Tuesday, including in Michigan. The next day, Joe Biden spoke in Michigan. You will be heard. And Michigan, I'm counting on you in a big way. with then-Senator Kamala Harris, who had just given him her endorsement.
1: I know Joe, and that's why I'm supporting him. And my final point then is...
0: A day later, Michigan voters picked Joe.
1: The former vice president seized a commanding lead after major wins in last night's primaries.
0: Those days pretty much foretold the rest of the Democratic campaign. Bernie had needed to win Michigan to stay competitive, and that week all but sealed Biden's lead in delegates, essentially giving him a mandate. And on the day that Biden declared victory, both he and Sanders canceled their campaign events in Ohio, scheduled for the following week. So what was expected to be a boisterous night of dueling political rallies in Cleveland turned silent when both Bernie Sanders and Joe Biden canceled their plans. Those rallies called off because of the campaigns were going digital due to covid. Tomorrow, we'll have Los Angeles school superintendent Austin Buettner on to talk about his decision to send students home. Big thanks for listening and to the team behind this series. This episode was produced by Naomi Shaven, Tim Shovers, Amy Padula, Alice Wilder, and Alex Sugiara. Research and fact-checking by Oriana Gonzalez. Dan Bobkoff is our executive producer. Have a great International Women's Day, and we'll be back tomorrow with another Axios Recap.